Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode on the Remaster Podcast. I'm your host, Muhammad Kibriya, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, Dr. Imad Bayoun, who is one of our beloved mass lecturer, and we are talking about understanding doubt and the whispers of shaitan. How are you, Dr. Imad? Alhamdulillah, doing good. Zakallah, it's nice to be here. Welcome. My Alexa from you. For our listeners who may not be familiar with him, um, you have an ex- you have like an interesting bio, mashallah. So you are an author of a book, Belief and the Human Mind, um, The Nature of Belief and Its Relation to Doubt and Science. And um, you're an also an officer, you know, you're also an officer at entomology department at University of California in Riverside, mashallah. Right. You were born in Beirut, Lebanon with a childhood filled with chaos, civil war. You graduate BS and MS from American University of Beirut. And then you went to earn a PhD on entomology from Texas and PhD in Islamic studies. So let me guess, you were studying bugs and then you wrote a book about <laughs> doubt and faith. So what was going on in there in your mind? Like, talk to us about that. Of course, I mean, entomology is my profession. It is something that I've always been interested in biology. Basically, that's what I am. I'm a biologist. Uh, and uh, my heart, of course, is in the Islamic studies. Uh, but this is something that I studied mostly actually for myself, you know, to answer my mm. own questions, uh, to educate myself, not meant initially to be like a profession. I mean, it still it is not my profession. Uh, I work at the university full time. That's really my job in entomology, in bugs. <laughs> <laughs> but it is something that I'm really, uh, I've always been fascinated with. And, uh, and the other one actually maybe is more supportive of that. Interesting. So I, I wanted, before I talk about our main subject today, let, let's, you know, talk to us about like faith, right? Is, is part of our fitra to have faith? Like, do you, do you, you know, is faith it in or us? Faith. faith or fate? Faith. Faith, like F-A-I-T-H. F-A-I-T-H. Oh, faith. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was like faith, F-A-T-E. Uh, faith. You know, I think it is. I think, you know, uh, we have a natural tendency to believe. And this, mm. is, this is what normally we refer to as the fitra. That okay. in a way, the hearts have a normal, natural longing to know the divine, to learn about him, you know, and then to, to accept it. So this is something that we are basically, that we have a natural propensity to, to have. However, you know, as the word is today, you know, we were so bombarded with materialism, with so many ideologies, with our own weaknesses and securities, that that fitra in a way sometimes takes a backseat. So it is, it does not maintain its state of purity. So the faith which normally used to come naturally, especially to the earlier generations. I mean, if you look at your grandmother, your great-grandmother, you find yeah. that they naturally have it. Well, I'm supposed yeah. to be more educated. How come I don't have it as strongly as they do? <laughs> well, mm. maybe because my fitra, in a way, took a back seat. So it, what used to come naturally, we have to work toward now. So we do have that natural tendency, but not anymore. Or at least we were born with it, but we don't have it anymore, or not as strongly as we do. Would, would you say that modernity has an uh, impact, like your paradigm has an impact to that? Because, you know, pre-industrial um, revolution, you see the central, you know, being, having God, just the conversation of Godness or, you know, God consciousness is, it's almost like a, it's not even something that you question, right? In, in yes. major sense. And then. 
I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Would you say? Would you say that that the paradigm shift had a, a you know uh, impact on how we, our fitra has been impacted? I think definitely. I mean, there's no question about that. You know, just because you know, as humans, you know, sometimes we get influenced by our surrounding. I mean, there's no question about that by the prevalent ideologies, by the prevalent way of thinking. You know, uh, so we follow trends, not just with the way that we dress, but sometimes with the way that we think. And, and especially now with everybody in a way having access to everybody else through the social media. So anyone that has an idea, anyone that has a wrong idea actually yeah. uh, communicates it. And, and sometimes they do it so efficiently that you fail to see the flaws in it. You know, the Prophet said that, uh, that some people's expressive abilities is magic. So some mm. people are really good in a way at deceiving you, at giving you the illusion of convincing you when in reality, they're just really good at what they're doing. Uh, mm. And I think this, these things that we get, like I said, bombarded with so much uh, without having a solid base. And I think that's probably what's missing. If a person has a solid base, they won't be as influenced you know, as without. Uh, so definitely it has influenced, I think, our own general. You know. Yeah. And, and I think it's what's it's interesting, Dr. Imad, you're mentioning is that, you know, some people have that natural way of really influence. Like, so I think in American culture, right, the, um, the celebrities, the, the, oh, yes. the superheroes, right? So I think even we fall as an American Muslim, we fall into this category of, you know, I look up to certain scholar because they speak really well. They speak my language. And I think, you know, they really motivate you and get you going. And you, and I think this is where a lot of young people struggle when those people make mistakes and they're all of a sudden their faith is shattered. Right. Uh, I think that's a risk we take as a community. But, but I think, you know, see an important principle that we teach in mass, by the way, and this is one of the messages of teachings. That's one of our basic understanding is that we follow principles, not individuals. Mm. So that's why it's not the individual. It's the principle itself. It doesn't mean that we don't love individuals. Of course we do. You know, but I really love a statement made by Ali bin Abi Talib. He said that the people are judged by the truth or through the truth, and the truth is not judged through the people. And he mm-hmm. said, know the truth, you know the people. So it is not the individuals. Of course, you know, people get disappointed when they see somebody who is that they used to admire, they used to love, but it doesn't change anything. It does not change anything. You know, I'm not a follower of an individual. That's why. In mass, we don't have the sheikh of mass. <laughs> we don't have that concept. And I think that concept is not a good one. It's a very dangerous one when people become basically attached to the individuals rather than the principles. Again, we love the individuals, but it's the principle actually that matters. Mm. People can come and go. I mean, people are not infallible. I mean, people, um, subhanAllah, protection is not guaranteed to anybody. Anyone can go through that deviant route, you know? Yeah. Uh, but the principles remain. It does not change the value of the principles. You know, you know I, I'm, I'm glad you're mentioning this because I, I recognize as an, even being part of the organization is that we don't have that celebrity scholar that we cling on to, yeah. even though you see that's like that general you know, population. So let's say if a celebrity scholar comes to my neighborhood, everybody flocks <laughs> to it, right? And I'm like, okay, of that's course. good. They motivate you. They, they, you know, they're the entrance to your faith, but they're not the faith, right? You, you really have to work towards that. And, you, and um, I think that's interesting. So, so let me ask you, um, as a person now with your bio and, and know the 
your your history is interesting as well. Did you ever go through crisis of doubt? Like, did you ever had a doubt? And is it healthy to have a doubt? Yes, I did big time. Actually, <laughs> you know, I I grew up in Lebanon during the war. Basically, my whole childhood was was the war, and that makes you ask questions. You know, you know, it's different. Living mm -hmm. it is different than seeing it on a YouTube video, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. So you see certain things and that you, you can't basically make sense out of, you know, what is this happening? What's happening in there? And you start questioning things. So yes, I had some, some serious, basically heavy doubts. Mm. Uh, and, and even actually, or at least to my thinking that I became even atheist discreetly to myself until I found somebody that basically helped me navigate through all of that. And of course, you know, that the way sometimes we're taught about the religion is that you don't question anything, that, you know, you don't talk about anything. So these things, it's a shame for you to, well, I have questions, you know, I mean, what do I do with it? Yeah. Nobody's answering these questions until I found a great mentor, actually, that really was able to answer all my questions and some more. Uh, and he listened to me. And I think that's really what uh, got me out of it. And I put his name in the dedication in the beginning of the, of the book as someone oh, wow. that I'm always indebted to. And, and, you know, so, so you, you mentioned something powerful. It is okay to have those doubts, right? I, I just want to make sure that I'm not making that claim. It's, it's, it's okay to ask. It's okay to clarify your doubt. Um, you know, for example, Ibrahim salam, right? Um, he wanted to reassure his faith, correct? Like, so he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for some some sort of reaffirmation where Allah yeah. made him work towards get that reaffirmation. Well, Ibrahim alayhi salam, he wanted to see the how of things. Mm. So he wants to see the how of things. Okay. Which is which is in a way a little next step. that. So it is not that he was questioning that. He did not mm. actually question that. But to go, so that's one thing about Ibrahim alayhi salam. But to go back to what you said earlier, you know. I think you know. Is it okay to have doubt? I think that gets into the 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 core of the of the subject. You know, I think our belief is not expected to be always at a hundred percent. So it mm. is not like a zero or a hundred percent. That unless you're completely certain, unless it is certitude, then it is non-existent. No, actually, we may go through moments in life where we approach the 100%, but most of the time, actually, it's somewhere in there. So being mm -hmm. short of, of certainty, of certitude, does not negate belief, does not say that belief is not existent. I mm. think doubt will always be there. There's nothing, and there are different factors that play into that. It's not the validity of what I'm believing in. It is sometimes something from my own end. I may have some own problems that affect my perception of things that prevent me from believing the way I'm supposed to do. But having a little bit of doubt does not negate belief. It is not a zero or a hundred percent. No, it is not. You know, mm -hmm. which sometimes, by the way, when we're preaching, actually, we talk about the ideals and we think wrongly that this is the minimal acceptable state of heart. Mm -hmm. That, you know, it has, this is the minimal, no, this is the ideal. This is the ideal. But if it is something less than that, then, you know, uh, it, it would still be actually present in there. That's why some people that may label themselves as completely doubtful may not be as such. So, so faith so, and doubt are not mutually exclusive. Right. So, 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 so I do with a lot of young people, right? And especially you see a lot of people that are, a lot, a lot of young people are struggling with so much, I mean, there's, I think they're, <laughs> they're being rained on with 
trials and tribulations. And I think as a, as a community, as, as an organization, we need to do much well, better at it. Right. But when you look at this current, yeah, the sure. current way, you know, I mean, I can't, I don't know how they do it with, with the social media, right. Instagram, TikTok, these are constant things that are being uh, observed. Sure. Um, and so, so, so how do you like, can Shaitan whispers doubt in you, or is that something sometimes you can whisper to yourself? Yes, Wallahi, you know, a lot of we we don't just we're not just exposed to different things, but sometimes unconsciously we absorb them and we internalize them. Mm-hmm. And that's really the danger of things. Mm-hmm. That sometimes without even noticing it affects the way that you think, the way that you perceive certain things. So going this is one thing. The other thing about the the, the whispers of the shaitan or the waswasa, of course, that exists. That does exist. And then sometimes people confuse that with real doubt so there are certain thoughts that pass through our head and and they're just doing that they're just passing by so to speak and these are the waswasa, the whispers of the shaitan and and they don't have any 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 trigger or any basis any foundation for that and that's how you know by the way the the real doubt from the whispering of the shaitan the real doubt has a foundation but the whispering of the shaitan just comes without any actually any any foundation for that and and these whisperings of the shaitan do not represent who we are these are just passing thoughts and sometimes dwelling on them too much will make them stronger you know i have a a brother a friend of mine he told me that once you know once like sometimes when i'm sitting during the jumu'ah I think to myself, what if I stand up and started and start cussing at the imam and everybody else? (laughs) And that thought just comes to my mind. I I, I mean, of course, it does mean that that's what the brother actually thinks. It's just a thought that came to his mind. You know, this is what I'm talking about. There's just like passing thoughts. And sometimes, you know, we have something like that. You know, basically some thoughts that pass by. And Uh the best way to deal with it is sometimes to ignore it, by the way. Mm-hmm. is not to dwell on it and subhanallah it happened to the prophet alayhi salam where sometimes the sahaba told him ya rasulullah sometimes we think this way or that way some thoughts of that regard yeah and the prophet would say i thank allah that he reduced the plotting of the shaitan to the mere whispering or another narration he said that say to yourself i believe in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in other words just move beyond that so mm-hmm. whisperings of the shaitan are just passing thoughts. They do not represent the way that we think. So if I had that thought, cussing at the imam, it doesn't mean that's something that I have, that that I normally do. It's just a passing thought. So sometimes the waswasa or the whispering of the shaitan is confused with real doubt. So not all the thoughts that come to our mind are legitimate doubts. Interesting. You know, talking about the enemy, right? The shaitan, knowing him and studying him and understanding. I just feel like shaitan took a step back nowadays. And like, you know what? Things are automated. <laughs> <laughs> Things are automated now. I don't have to do much. Yes, of course. Yeah, 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 you're right. You know, some people are actually walking shaitans, you know. <laughs> it, it is, you know, and, you know. And by the way, you know, sometimes some problems actually are real. Not mm. everything is to be uh, attributed to the shaitan. I mean, I'm not in the business of defending the shaitan here, you know, <laughs> but sometimes we overblame the shaitan. And I think the problem is that we give him too much credit by doing yeah. that. You know, yeah. basically, you know, oh, the shaitan made me know it. No, yeah, I did it myself. It wasn't the shaitan. <laughs> so, th- because, you know, like, I think that's where um, w- when you're talking about, 
you know, being influenced or your decision, those, those rent past thoughts that you're mentioning, you're right. Like I even go through it all the time. I'm saying like, why would I even think like that? But I think it's also the contents and, and the things that, um, you know, we consume. So what, what's the difference between whispers, um, between the whispers and nuffs? Well, the question is, where is the whispering coming and where, how does it connect to the nafs? And I think, you know, I think these questions become like almost, I don't want to say academic, it's beyond, it's like more metaphysical than anything else, yeah, yeah, yeah. that you can't tell which is which. And I think the concern is how to respond to them. So sometimes, you know, that there could be some things that my own insecurities, my own problems, my own mm. neuroses, but whatever it is that is making me think this way. Sometimes it's a chemical imbalance. Sometimes it is something else. Sometimes it is the whispering of the shaitan. What is the connection of one to the other? We don't know. This mm. is something that we are really, we, we don't know. And, uh, and I don't think, you know, we're supposed to, we're, it won't be that beneficial to know. I mean, we have these things that happen. Where are they coming from? I mean, what practical value would it have? I think what I should be concerned with is how to react and how to respond to them. Yeah. So, so personally, like, um, I have a tough time doubting a lot. Like, I, I guess maybe I grew up with that paradigm. Like, you know, I grew up with knowing, you know, worshiping a lot. Even my, you know, my parents were very cultural. They were not practicing. It's just like, you know, you pray, you do your jama and, and you fast, typical. And I, until I started really researching into the Dean, I found love more deeply into it, right? Like you mentioned the principles, yes. uh, understanding them clearly rather than depending on or, or asking. I sometimes, you know, when, like when I talked with like, for example, for example, uh, personally, my, uh, my, some of my siblings are atheists, right? They don't, and, and then I look at, you know, talking to so many people who doesn't, who doubt Allah exists. Um, it's just, like it, it's very hard to for me to like I, I don't know how like I don't know how do you not believe on like this right and sometimes do you feel like it's again I think exper personal experience also for example the way people grow up right um, the way someone is raised maybe there is a lot of the atheists they talk about is that they go through certain pain and they maybe have a per per perhaps cultural baggage other things that really dive them into this yeah. you know, not believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what are the first thing to do for someone like that? Like, what, what, how do you guide someone say, Hey, okay, take these steps. Yeah. Is it well, like, you, you, ask, know, you ask so many questions in there, <laughs> right there, you know, <laughs> I think, I think as far as the, the, uh, the, the doubt in the existence of God, like I said earlier, it's supposed to actually come naturally. And subhanahu there's a beautiful verse in Surah Ibrahim, I believe, where Allah says, that how could there be doubt in the existence of God? In mm. other words, this is supposed to be the most obvious reality, but it is not anymore. It is not anymore, not because of the reality itself, but because of our own end, actually, we have that. And I think part of, there could be different reasons for that. There could be different reasons. One of them is that Subhanallah, I think we've become a little too arrogant, you know, and then when a the person actually is, is a little too arrogant, they become less, uh, less receptive in, in certain ways. And, mm. and, and there are certain things that we were taught that affect the way that we perceive certain things. For example, saying that, well, you don't see it, it doesn't exist. Well, something, something of that sort. And then God has to be something. In other words, our belief in something has to be based on perceiving it directly through the senses. 
in order for it to, to exist. Uh, and I think that's where the flaw is, is that, mm. first of all, within our own world, within our own material world, there are many things that we do believe in that they do exist with certainty, by the way, even though we don't perceive them directly. Whether, whether something that happened historically, everybody believes in World War, you know, uh, one, yeah. even though we have not seen it. We believed in the existence of a gravity. Uh, uh, even though nobody asked, you know, I have not seen gravity, you know. We believe in the existence of feelings, even though, like I said, feelings, you cannot measure them, you cannot assess them, but we believe in things like that. You know, that's why the problem is that we're demanding physical proofs for something that is beyond the physical. And that becomes the flaw in our logic that mm. basically, you know, I, I want physical evidence for something that is not even physical in nature. You know, I want to see, well, when you're seeing it is something confined within the space. So how yeah. can you something, how can something that created this space be confined in this space or, mm. or the time and all of these things? So I think the problem is the way that we're looking for the proof. So the, the, you know, the way that we're searching for the proof, that becomes actually a problem. That's one part of it. Uh, like I said, you asked many questions. I think another <laughs> thing is that sometimes the way that you know, our own baggage you know, affects the way that we believe. There's no question about that. You know, yeah. interesting, there was a study actually about atheism, and they said that they found that, that uh, many of the people that become atheists do not come from a non-religious background, which is really interesting, you know, yeah. that they come from, now they come from a religious background. It doesn't mean they were exposed to the religion in the proper way. Right. And sometimes, you know, a bad experience with religion or with the religious people or with the religious figure, the way the religion was presented to me, you know, I had a very strict, stern father. I had a strict, whatever it is, you know, yeah. that's one of it, you know. The other thing they said that, that, uh, the influence happens on the internet. In other words, people are influenced in deciding to become a non-believer, you know, to, to this, deciding to unbelieve was yeah. influenced by the things that they see actually on the internet. And it happens mostly within the teenage years. Mm -hmm. It happens mostly within teenage years because, you know, teenage teenagers cannot tolerate contradiction, so to speak or cannot, yeah. cannot sail through a contradiction. So basically, if I have two contradicting ideas, I can't reconcile between the two of them. I have to choose one or the other, you know? So, which is an ability that we develop later on, sometimes rightly, sometimes wrongly, by the way. But uh, it happens actually during, that, during that, that period where this person becomes more, is more susceptible than, than anything else. So, I think, I think explaining the nature of belief and what belief is uh, becomes something of, of pivotal importance as to what is a belief, you know, how strong should they believe in? Does belief include any doubt? You know, what are the ways to develop actually belief? I think these become something really important uh, to, to teach our, our youth and like I said, our grownups, you know, these problems, yeah. everybody faces them. So you, you wrote a book. Um, did you, like, what made you write the book, by the way? Like, what was your... What <laughs> well, was your I, as I said, you know, I, just to answer my own questions more than anything else, uh, mm. you know, I, I had my own doubts, you know, and I think still doubts creep in every once in a while. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with it. It doesn't mean that my belief is, will be gone. No, I think people have questions, people things, you know, I just, and I think doubt 
can be the path to a stronger belief if the person can can invest it properly. Uh, so I had my own questions, my own doubts, you know, again, from the things that I lived it through, you know, and everybody else lived through difficulties and also my personal lives, you know, so uh, uh, made you ask so, questions. So in your and position, think, you know, in your I'm position, friend? in your position as a, as a, you know, as someone who's active in the community or in the organization, like usually when you feel doubt, like you mentioned, you know, a lot of people shame you or at least, you know, it's almost to have like, you know, you, how could you have doubt? Like, you know, it's like a, people will shame you, right? Like religious community sometimes shames you. So like, did you feel that threat by, for yourself? Did you feel like, man, if I come out and tell people I'm doubting or like you're Especially like, Especially if no, you're I'm, an imam, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I would yeah, like And I think, I think people expect, you know, uh, imams and teachers to be superheroes, super beings, you know? Uh, yeah. Which is not fair, which is very difficult. It makes it difficult for the imam. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a very heavy pressure of expectation in there that you're supposed to, to do that, you know? And, uh, you know, once I was giving a lecture, one of the mass conventions, actually, you know, uh, and I said, you know, basically, uh, sometimes I feel as messed up as the next person. Somebody said, you know, I have this problem. And I said, so do I, you know, <laughs> you know? And, and then uh, and, and here's the problem, you know, somebody afterward, of course, and I meant it. I wasn't being humble. I really yeah. meant that. And somebody came afterwards, Allah, you're so humble. Yeah, you know, I'm not being humble. I'm being <laughs> honest. You know, I mean, just stop expecting me to be better than I am. Yeah. You know, it, it does make it difficult. But but the reality is, is that, I mean, if the Sahaba had questions, you know, so who's going to actually not have questions? Yeah. And I think sometimes, like I said, you know, we confuse the teachings with the teacher, so to speak, you know, I mean, I'm teaching mm. about certain things. It doesn't mean that I'm the perfect embodiment of that. If I, I try, I work toward that, but I'm not. Some people, yeah. and this is something the prophet mentioned, والسلام, that some people may hear something from you and benefit, benefit from it more than you do yourself. Mm. So you still convey the message. You still convey the message. You're not expected to be perfect before you convey the message. Otherwise, the only one that will do so would be the Prophet, alayhi Right. You know, so, uh, yes, yes. I, we so, have, everybody has. So our viewers should know that major <laughs> imam scholars, and, look, and I think even my personal take on it is that, you know, imam scholars, you know, folks that are really active in the community, I, I know Shaitan has a bigger war for them, right? He, he goes after them harder because they're trying to make those change and improve. So if he, if he can get them fall apart once he got like a crowd that is falling because he knows that that's what's yes. happening right so yeah. i think like the the viewers who's listening to this your your favorite imam can make a mistake and it's so and it's a human he's a human himself right it's not he can he will he will make he, <laughs> yeah. no not true it's true. Yeah, absolutely absolutely so so dr Ahmad, like do you still have doubts like do you feel like you still have doubts and are you or you go through those Moments. Well, like, of course, you, like I said earlier, I do, you know, you go through these things, you know, you go through questioning, you go through these things, but, but, but I think, you know, as you gain more experience and knowledge, you'll be able to deal with them better by knowing what they are, you know, not giving them more than what they're worth uh, and, and knowing what to expect, you know, I think, I think this is, this is something important, you know, uh, so they would always be there, there would always be certain things, you know, but you just be able to deal with them better. Uh, mm. you know and i think one of the main things probably if i were to mention the one cause of doubt 
uh, is when we try to understand the why of things. Uh, you know, uh, interesting. Why is there so much suffering? Why am I? Why is my life so difficult? Why uh, am I going through all of that? You know, and I think that's that's really that's the biggest trap to the mind in there, because you know what I'm trying to understand. You know what I'm looking for is an answer that is not available to me. You know, nobody can answer that. This is something that not even the angels know. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. You know, sometimes it may take years before I understand why certain thing, something actually happened. Sometimes I may not even understand it ever, you know. So this is something here. I'm, I'm basically trying to look for an answer that is part of the ghayb, something that is unknown to me, that only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows, especially when I'm going through the difficulty, you know, when I'm going through yeah. the... The hardship, you know, and because there my mind is not actually completely unbiased in there. And the story is still unfolding. You know, imagine somebody who is reading, who grabs a book that is like 500 pages and he reads the first, the first paragraph and or, or he just picks a random paragraph in the middle of the book and he, and he makes a conclusion. Oh, this this uh, story is really sad. Well, wait a minute. I mean, what do you know so far? All you have wow. is that small piece of puzzle, the bigger puzzle. You know, so that's why when you are in the middle of a of a of a problem, your story is still unfolding. Your story is still not finished yet, so you cannot understand the you cannot see the big picture. So you do not you cannot understand the why of things. So that's why our approach is that we base our belief on the things that we see, the creation of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, the the Quran, things that we that we actually can can feel. But when it comes to the things that we do not understand, we submit. We submit, you know, because like I said, you cannot understand what's happening. You know, I, I think uh, so, you know, that, that's amazing. And I think our faith begins, like, for example, you know, when we uh, recite uh, sort of Bakara, we say Alif, Lam, Mim, right? The three letters. You begin your journey into this book accepting that you're not going to know, like not yes. knowing is a great start. Like that's the humble beginning for, and I think you see a lot of ego and arrogance of people. I have to know, like there are yeah. things you're just, I mean, that right there is yeah. just like an uh, ego start, right? There, there's something is, like you, oh, I have is. to know things like, well, you're not going to know. And that's the best for you at times. And, and what's interesting in our tradition, when you, when you're told to read Surat al-Kahf every Friday, and I always, I always ponder, I was like, why, why that surah, right? And when you look at that, uh, uh, stories in that surah, like when and Khidr is going through that journey of, of Musa, it's complete opposite I think that's things a great happening. Example. I think that's a great <laughs> example. The story of Al Khidr, I think, is a perfect example. Yeah. Of how sometimes you see certain things that may look like bad or difficult, but later on they turn out to be completely different. Now, when Musa salam was in, all he sees is that, well, this guy is destroying the ship. There's no way for him to know actually what is coming ahead. You yeah. know, and, and, and this is exactly what I'm talking about. When you go through that, you know, yeah. basically. Uh, uh, and and I think it's a great, I think it's a great Friday check-in for our own selves of sometimes, you know, things that doesn't make sense, right? So for example, you know, if my week is really like, I'm checking in with that surah, reminding myself like, yeah, maybe something didn't make sense in my life at this point, but there's wisdom behind it. And when I'm reading yes. the surah, I'm reflecting, I was like, you know what? Exactly. I need to submit. I, I need to yeah, just yeah, you know, yeah. humble myself. Maybe I'm not going to know. And, and we all in our lives, I think, you know, many of us who are grown and aged, 
we've seen things in our life that it didn't make sense at a point. Exactly. And then years later, like, thank God that I'm glad that didn't happen. Or I'm glad I made that decision or that happened to me. I wasn't happy at that time. Now I'm happy. So that, so, you know, it's a, it, even life itself, if you really reflect, it teaches you, subhanAllah. And sometimes you may not even see it actually in this life. That's why you know, just yeah. to, to repeat, you know, what we said earlier is that belief is based on the things that we see. The perfection mm -hmm. of the creation, the perfection of the human creation, the perfection of the message, the greatness. These are things that I see. But when it comes to something that I do not see about something of the unseen and the future and all of that, yeah. why of things we submit, we submit with the trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's a beautiful verse in the Quran and the whole Quran is beautiful in Ali Imran where Allah says, Allah says, say, O you who has everything, Allah who has everything. You give some people, you take away from other people. You dignify some people, you humiliate some people. So Allah does that. But why? The rest of the verse is the answer. Allah says, All goodness is in your hand, you're capable of everything. So when Allah gives, it's for the khair. When Allah takes away, it's for the khair. When Allah dignifies, when Allah humiliates, but of course we do not see it when we are in the middle of it. When somebody's taking something away from me, I don't see the khair. Well, we're short-sighted. <laughs> All yeah. we see is what's immediate. It's just like in front of us, but we don't see actually what's ahead. Absolutely, inshallah. So I want to, I want to take away one thing. I think I, I, I personally took away is that the whispers of shaitan is passing thoughts versus doubts have a little bit more substance. Like, yes. is that? Yes, okay. yes. I think that's exactly it. That's exactly mm. what I would say. And, and I, think, I, I think that definitely makes sense um, because again, shaitan doesn't have the physical power of you know, making us move. We're the one, you know, making the yeah. actionable uh, of whatever that is. Either it's doubt yeah. or whispers. You know, we are the one making that change. So I think that's 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 important to understand for viewers. And you know, some people may have more uh, propensity for that. May have more mm -hmm. have a tendency toward these kind of thoughts more so than others. Like when you have people that keep on doubting, you know, do I have, did I lose my wudu? You know, how many rak'as did I pray? Two yeah. or three or four rak'as, you know? So some people actually more than others have that tendency, you know? Okay. And, and I think I think it is good for the person to examine their, their, themselves, you know? Well, if I keep doubting my wudu, means I'm more prone, so to speak, to these waswasa, to these whisperings, you know, which actually lead me into, you know, basically discrediting some of the passing thoughts that I have. It's yeah. just another example of it. That's another uh -huh. example of the same thing. So I have last question, but it's going to be more towards your other topic. You know, my family, we love enjoying watching nature shows. Like, I mean, anything with nature is like, so even my kids, we got up so used to it. Like they want to, you know, they would watch the documentaries and it's amazing. And subhanAllah, like, you know, you realize that new discovery just constantly happening. And of course, with the upgraded videos and content, it's amazing how powerful it is um what's what's tell us the most interesting fact about insects people that don't know like what is the one thing you were like oh my goodness well i think <laughs> diversity is probably the biggest thing you know they, they said that the only common you cannot give like one general rule about insect except that they have six legs <laughs> basically that's what's common about insects you know uh their biology is is fascinating it's just just basically uh and they're so diverse, so different from, from one another. This, you're asking me to summarize a huge field with one word. You know, it is something that- What is the most interesting insect you studied? Well, uh, insects that I really like are aphids. 
these, you know, aphids are small insects, you know, okay. uh, the, the reason is that they have a very interesting biology that they multiply, you know, they, uh, you know, all normally insects lay eggs. Now these, these insects can lay eggs or can give birth to young as well, which is really, uh, really very weird. Yeah, they give birth to young without, by the way, without males. So, uh, so basically each individual can produce. So you don't have to have males or females and they're all actually producing actually insect. So it's, it's a very interesting, which changes by the way, depending on the environmental conditions. Uh, but the, the, the relationship with, with the other insects, aphids, you know, is, is uh, feminist insects. <laughs> they're really interesting, actually. Uh, they're really interesting. They have a very interesting biology, actually. So, yeah. uh, subhanAllah, anything biological fascinates me. SubhanAllah. Jazakallah khair. I really, um, we, we appreciate your time and your efforts and everything that you have done. And uh, definitely, uh, you, you wrote some amazing contents in your books for folks to check it out. We uh, appreciate you. Um, and this is something, this is an interesting, very deep topic that you are taking on. And I think that's, that's awesome for viewers to come reach out to you, talk to you, connect with you, kind of even your personal life, especially when it becomes very personal to you at a subject. It's, uh, you know, this is the right person to um, I come talk to. So where, where can they find you? Um, where, where can folks network with you? Instagram, social media? Are you any, any of well, those I, you know, uh, Facebook, you know, Facebook, okay. you know, I have my Facebook, you know, uh, you know, I, I've been slowing down on the social media, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's I becoming know. a little too distracting and just basically sometimes it's almost like I don't want to live a virtual life, you know, I want to live a live, know. Real, <laughs> you know, yeah. but uh, I think Facebook would be, would be, it would be good. I have a personal Facebook as well as a general one. Either one, either of them should be, inshallah, should be fine. So this is the spelling of my name, Imad Bayoun. Okay. Awesome. Inshallah. We'll definitely put it up. Jazakumullah khair, everyone. May Allah subhanahu accept from every one of you. Thank you for listening. This is Muhammad Kibriya with the Remaster Podcast signing off. Until next time. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Thank you.